The book of Luke, chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Now as they went on their way, he entered a certain village, where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The sermon this morning is entitled The Crossroads of Distraction and Presence. Would you pray with me, please? And now, O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You are worried and distracted by many things. Those are the words of Jesus spoken long ago to a woman by the name of Martha, but they could just as easily be spoken to us today. For who of us can claim that we are never worried and distracted by many things? Just think about your life right now and the worries, the distractions that easily occupy your mind. Maybe it's the unrelenting pressures of work or school, or the endless requirements of running a home, managing your finances, balancing a budget. Maybe it's the demands of raising young children or the concerns for older children or grandchildren that seem to grow as they do. Maybe it's being accepted or socially connected or finding a partner or having a baby or building a career. Maybe it's health concerns, relationship problems, your body image, an addiction or some psychological hang-up. Maybe it's the struggle of growing older. We all have our own worries and concerns and distractions that can weigh upon us. To these could be added the broader issues on offer from the global smorgasbord of worry. Issues like race race relationships and the state of our politics, the energy crisis and global warming, conflict in the Middle East, religious fundamentalism, terrorism, the rise of extremist groups, hunger, disease, and poverty, the list goes on and on. 
And so when Jesus says to Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things, we know that he could be talking to any of us. That much, at least, is straightforward and clear. But then Jesus goes on to say something quite perplexing. He says, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not too sure what to make of that. There is need of only one thing. I mean, could that really be true? I mean, it sounds naively simplistic and quite frankly out of touch with the realities and rigors and requirements of life in 2015. With all due respect, Jesus, this isn't first century Palestine, you know. Uh, What is this one thing that is needed? And how does it square with the many things needed from all of us pretty much all the time? as we juggle the diverse roles and responsibilities and relationships that are ours. Is it helpful? Is it realistic? Is it even possible to to try to distill the one thing that is needed from us if we are to live effective and faithful lives? And when we start to think about that, before we know it, the demands of life come crashing in again, bearing down upon us, and so we can't help getting caught up in the rumpus once again, rushing from one thing to the next in our insanely busy, cluttered, and ridiculously overscheduled lives. And most of the time, we're not even aware that that's what we're doing. Until a letter arrives in the mail with the cheery news that you've been caught on camera running a red light. At the intersection of Gandhi and Manhattan (laughs) on the 11th of February at 5.08 p.m., For example, (laughs) and as I've discovered this week, it's pretty tough arguing with the video evidence of a camera. Even my criminal defense lawyer says that there's nothing we can do. Don't ask me why I have a criminal defense lawyer. Although I will say this, the light... The light had only just turned red. It was more like light red. But I suppose if we're going to be fanatical about it, then mea culpa, guilty as charged. Although I will say that the sharp U-turn that I made to sneak in front of the advancing cavalcade of oncoming traffic was pretty impressive (laughs) in a James Bondish kind of way. But here's the thing, I have absolutely no recollection whatsoever of what was so important that Wednesday afternoon that put me in such a rush 
but I would pull such a stunt in peak hour traffic. And maybe that's the point, that there really wasn't actually anything that important at all. But that's the way we go in our lives. Jesus was right. You are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. And so as we try to unpack his words and understand what they have to say to us, we need to be careful of falling into a common trap when it comes to interpreting the story about Mary and Martha. You see, the trap is to focus on what Mary and Martha were each doing as if that is what this text is about. And so we see Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him, and that activity is equated with the life of devotion and contemplation and prayer. Whereas Martha was busy with the housework, pretty ordained and mundane stuff, which is equated to service and secular action. And so the conclusion, the mistaken conclusion that is drawn from this text is that the answer to the worries and distractions of all of our endless activity and busyness is found in the one thing of a life of devotion and contemplation and prayer. Now, don't get me wrong. There's truth in that conclusion. We would all do well to give ourselves more fully to the life of prayer, to make more space for silence and solitude in our lives. I'm all for that and would encourage all of us to be all for that. There's truth in that conclusion, but it's not the truth of this story. The point being made here is something quite different. You see, the point of this story is not that prayer on the one hand and the life of devotion that goes with that and action within the mundane realities of our day-to-day lives are somehow mutually exclusive and competing options for our lives from which we need to pick and choose, with prayer being more valued. Remember that immediately prior to the story, Jesus had told the parable of the Good Samaritan, which celebrates the loving and practical and compassionate action taken by a Samaritan in caring for a needy man. And a little earlier in the chapter, Jesus sent out 70 disciples on a mission where the only requirement for the success of their mission hinged upon the hospitality that they would be shown by those who welcomed them. The same sacred gift of hospitality that Martha now offers to Jesus as she welcomes him into her home. So the real distinction between Mary and Martha is not in what they were doing, as if one following the life of prayer and devotion and the other following the mundane activities of housekeeping were somehow in competition with each other. The distinction between them lies not in what they were doing, but rather in how 
they were doing it. Jesus was in their home. He brought with him the gift of his presence. It was Mary who was able to recognize this gift and so responded to it in ways that moved her beyond the gender-defined roles and rules that would normally have governed her actions. She sat at the feet of Jesus and listened to what he had to say, present to his presence. This was the one thing needed that Mary had chosen, which Jesus said would not be taken away from her. It's a way of being that no one can take away. Martha, by contrast, was distracted by her many tasks, good tasks, but distracted by them nonetheless. It's hard to blame her. But still the fact remains, the presence of Christ in her home became for her the occasion for moaning and complaining rather than joyful celebration, a sure sign that she had missed what was happening before her eyes, that she was not fully present to the gift, the indescribable gift of his presence. In many ways, her story echoes ours. But just think what it might mean if we were to cultivate the capacity for deeper presence in all of the activities of our lives, if we were able, as a habit of the heart, to recognize the grace in our midst that comes to us constantly as a gift from God. Let me share a story that hints at what this might mean. A few years ago, I tackled a beautiful but really tough marathon in the Drakensberg Mountains in South Africa. The first half of the race takes you up a winding dirt road to the top of one of South Africa's highest mountain passes, Sani Pass. You climb about 4,200 feet in elevation in the process. And then when you get to the top, You turn around and run the 13.1 miles back down to the finish line. The the event, appropriately enough, is called the Sani Stagger. (laughs) Before the race, I made a mental commitment that no matter what happened on the run, I would be sure to look around and be consciously present to the incredible beauty of that place to take the time to notice it and to enjoy it, no matter how I was feeling. Well, the race took place on a hot, sunny day in late November with temperatures approaching the high 80s by mid-morning. Around the 20-mile mark, my internal radiator blew a gasket, and I literally felt myself overheating. I tried dousing myself with the sachets of water they provided at the seconding tables, but I simply couldn't cool down, and I knew that I was in big trouble. 
Through my parched lips, I managed to mouth a simple prayer to God to please help me. And he did. Because that's when I remembered my commitments to look around and to be present to the beauty surrounding me. It felt like a huge effort. But I lifted my eyes from the small patch of dirt road just in front of me and looked around And that's when I saw it. Just ahead of me, about 20 feet off the road, there was a waterfall. It wasn't particularly big or dramatically eye-catching, but I tell you, in that moment, it looked like the most beautiful thing that I had ever had occasion to lay my eyes upon. I tell you, not even a truckload of bikini-clad supermodels carrying tankards of ice-cold beer would have looked as beautiful (laughs) as that little waterfall in that moment. I said, thank you, Lord, and clambered off the road and stood right under that waterfall, allowing its cool, refreshing water to gush over my head and drench every part of me, and I drank from it deeply. After about five glorious minutes of this mountain water therapy, I got back onto the road, which was still hot and dusty and very long, but refreshed and restored, I finished the race. And as I did so, I knew that I was not alone. Now, I've often wondered what would have happened if I didn't look up in that particular moment. If I just ran past that waterfall without recognizing the awesome, refreshing grace that was freely available to me on that long and difficult road. I wonder how often that still happens in my life and yours. The waterfalls we fail to notice because we're worried and distracted by many things, because we're not truly present to the gift of presence in our midst. It reminds me of another story of a world-famous concert violinist who was due to perform in Carnegie Hall in New York City. Tickets were hundreds of dollars each, but the concert was sold out because so many wanted to hear this maestro play. On the day of the concert, he did a curious thing. He took his Stradivarius violin down into the New York subway and started to play the very music he was due to perform that evening. But remarkably, Nobody stopped to listen. The commuters just hurried on by, oblivious to the greatness and beauty in their midst. As we hear those two stories and think again about the many roles, responsibilities, and relationships that make up our lives, might we hear again what the good news and the challenge of the gospel for us this day might be. For the gospel message today focuses not so much 
on what we are doing, but rather how we are doing it. The awareness, the consciousness, the presence that we bring to our daily activities. For friends, at every moment of every day, we surely stand at the crossroads of distraction and presence. The one path leads to a scattered, second-hand kind of existence in which life largely passes us by. The other enables us to open our eyes, to pay attention, to marvel at the beauty and wonder of each moment, to hear great music, even in the most routine of circumstances, to recognize the waterfalls of grace given for our refreshment, to sit at the feet of Jesus. And so as we ponder what this says to us, and to the circumstances of the lives that are ours. Let me close by sharing a beautiful poem by Mary Oliver, a poem that talks about this kind of presence, the kind of presence that is deeply attentive to whatever may be before you, the kind of presence that is truly a prayer, the kind of presence that makes the living of our lives worthwhile. The poem is called a summer day. Who made the world? Who made the swan and the black bear? Who made the grasshopper? This grasshopper, I mean. The one who has flung herself out of the grass. The one who is eating sugar out of my hand. Who is moving her jaws back and forth instead of up and down, who is gazing around with her enormous and complicated eyes. Now she lifts her pale forearms and thoroughly washes her face. Now she snaps her wings open and floats away. I don't know exactly what a prayer is. But I do know how to pay attention, how to fall down into the grass, how to kneel in the grass, how to be idle and blessed, how to stroll through the fields, which is what I've been doing all day. Tell me, what else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it you plan to do? with your one wild and precious life. Amen. Let's be quiet for just a moment. Holy God, we thank you for the gift of your presence with us here and now. We thank you for the gift of your presence that is always with us. It is the gift of your presence that makes the one wild and precious life that each of us have worth living. 
And so help us. Help us to be present to your presence. It's the one thing that is needed. It's the one thing that can transform all of our activity from the scatteredness of distraction into lives of beauty and substance that are able to recognize the gift of you in the midst of them, bringing the refreshments, the resourcing, the strength that we need. And so help us, we pray. Rushed and frantic and busy as we are, help us, we pray, so easily diverted and distracted by incidental things. Help us, we pray, to recognize in each person, in each relationship, in each task, in each responsibility, the beauty of your presence and the gift, the transforming gift that that holds for our lives. For it is in the name of Christ Jesus that we pray these things. Amen.